Welcome to Talking Giants. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And Justin, we got nothing to talk about today because we have an interview with two-time Super Bowl champion for the New York Giants, Dave Tollefson, the only D-end on the Giants from those teams that won't go in the Ring of Honor. It was a fun interview, Justin, and this was not planned to be an hour, but he kept on talking and we kept on listening and, and asking questions, and I think it went really well. Yeah, ton of uh, backdoor unknown stories from those 07 to 2011 teams. Uh, really had a fun, genuine, uh, authentic conversation. And I really think, really, really, really think that everybody is going to very much enjoy it. Because certainly we had a lot of fun. Yeah, honestly, I need to listen back to it myself. I'll, I'll be listening to this with you because it was an hour long. And I forgot most of what was said. Or, or at least what even our questions were. Because, he, I mean, he... he talked and talked and talked man it was it was a good time I appreciate him coming on before we do get started I have to admit something I want our listeners to know so as you know I like the Daytona races that's it I used to be a NASCAR junkie uh, but I don't watch it anymore but I do watch the, the 500 and so I took a nap when it took the rain delay Justin and then I woke up and they were racing again and I watched for an hour and a half and then an hour and a half later Justin I realized that they were playing last year's race because of the rain delay and bad guy move on your part, I texted you because I was driving back to Philadelphia. Is the race still going on? And you're like, yeah, they're in stage three. And there's about like 60 laps left. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, great. I'll put it on when I get home. And then I'm like, I get on my phone and see, oh, yeah, there's only, there are only 20 laps into the race because it was rained out. So What did you think that? Did you think I was messing with you? Did I think you were messing with me? No, I genuinely just thought my phone was crapping out. But then I'm like, oh, Bobby Skinner just doesn't have his life together, which is totally fine. <laughs> Well, what happened was, is like Jimmy Johnson got wrecked, and I was like, "Hey, that happened last year." And then i i checked I checked online oh. to see if something was wrong, and then I figured <laughs> it out. Oh, <laughs> so uh, we'll be back with our regular episodes uh, this Friday, depending unless something crazy happens. Uh, we'll be reviewing. Just let's decide right now, Justin. Do we want to do outside linebackers or corners on Thursday on Friday? Corners. All right, corners on Friday. Corners on Friday, and we have that contest we started today. So let's kick it to Dave Tolison. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we now welcome on to the program two-time Super Bowl champion for the New York football Giants, David Tolison. David, how are you doing, my man? Doing good, man. Waiting for this cold front to come through Nebraska. I think we get like lows in the negative. One last hurrah from winter, I suppose. Yeah, Justin is in Jersey, so he feels that. I'm down in Florida, so you know I had to run. I had to run the AC in the truck today, so <laughs> it, it was a it's a little different. So you're in Nebraska. What, what's going on in the life up? Just got finished with duck and goose season. Spent some time down in Arkansas and Alabama and and all that kind of stuff, and just kind of getting settled back into the. The day-to-day stuff here at the house with the kids. Got three boys here, so just kind of getting going with that. Dave, I'm a huge fan of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. You know, in the 90s, they had those dominant O-lines, and I was an O-lineman kind of playing football for a little bit. Are you, are you a fan of Nebraska? Do you ever go check out some of those football games? What's kind of like the culture out there for Nebraska football since like that's like their big thing? It's kind of funny you ask that, and I'll, I'll, I'll start with me personally. Um, I grew up as we're getting to this podcast in the East Bay in California in the 
90s when I really started playing football, obviously the Huskers were the business. And unlike nowadays where every college football game is on TV, um, you typically on a Saturday would have, I don't know, maybe four or five games. And since the Huskers were good, obviously we get a local game. Most of the time we get a Huskers game. <laughs> so when I really started getting into football, I watched some Husker football. Obviously that, that Florida game was unbelievable. Was that the, uh, what was, what bowl was that? The orange bowl? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Tommy Frazier ran over like 80 Florida Gators. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a Hurricane fan, I remember that national championship a little better, though. Yeah, when they went for two, right? But it's interesting. I've yet to be a game, be at a game. Um, I guess I would consider myself a fan. They absolutely love the Cornhuskers here. I mean, you, you, you guys, it's uncomparable to anywhere. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the only thing they have in Nebraska is the Cornhuskers. because I've driven through there on the way to Minnesota before. It's, I mean, it's nothing but, and then it's just the football team. So we're talking college, and you kind of have kind of like an all-over-the-place the experience. I mean, you went back to college in 1999 at Los Medanos. Um, you were eventually going to go to Fresno State, but some injuries got on the way. I mean, kind of talk us, tell, t- walk us through your journey of college football on the road to the NFL. Man, how long are we allowed to have this podcast? I mean, how long can it be? <laughs> David, we'll, we'll give you the whole episode if you want. <laughs> we'll do, I'll try to keep it to Cliff Notes. My my story is bizarre and a fairy tale. And I mean, that's really kind of to say the least. But um, it's kind of funny bridging the Husker talk into, into that period of my life. Because as soon as I started really watching football, obviously the Huskers were good. The 49ers were good. I wasn't a 49er fan. I was a Raider fan. Um, but I really, probably about 12, 13 years old, I, I just head over heels, fell in love with football. And my mom, single parent, I got a twin sister. I also have a little brother. And uh, she's told me stories to this day about how I was watching football as a, as a young boy and tell her to be quiet during the game because football's on. You can't talk when football's on. So I had this crazy love affair with the game. And so I started playing it and not we kind of 11, 12 years old. I think I was 12 when I started playing and, and had a pretty good high school career. We'll get to the college. Um, didn't have grades. I think I graduated high school with a 1.3 GPA. And so I actually graduated from a continuation high school, which isn't even like a real high school, it's called Olympic High School. I not only think I'm the only NFL player, I might still, I might be the only guy alive from my graduating class. So I went to Los Sedanos Junior College and uh, was coached on defense by a guy named Mike Dar, who was unbelievable defensive mind, and a guy named Ed Hall. And this will all kind of come together later as we get into my Giants career. Ed Hall had some some mutual friends and even coached with some guys at Cal Berkeley. but. Uh, I went to Los Medanos, and I wasn't very big. I graduated high school. I was 170 pounds. Um, I could wow. run a little bit. I maybe ran a a 4.9 in high school. I mean, we can go down this rabbit hole, boys. It's it's, 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 it's crazy, man. <laughs> well, David, I ran like a, a 5.8. So when you say 4.9, my eyes light up. Like, man, that's that's awesome. <laughs> it, it was weird, though. I, I, I wasn't slow. Like, I, I just didn't run well. Um, like, I think that was I, my excuse too. 
Well, I ran like a four nine forty, maybe a four eight, but I would beat like our running backs in track and the hundred meter dash or whatever. It was really, I was really awkward, and probably that is because I wasn't. I was about the same height I am now. Almost, I'm a little over six four now. I was probably pretty close to six four then, but I was one hundred seventy pounds, so it was really awkward. Um, but I went to junior college and played two years there, and nothing really happened. And I, I, I wasn't doing well in school. Um, my high school coach, Tim Murphy, that's up to him. He just won a state championship in high school in California, Clayton Valley High School. That's not the school I went to. But he was down in Fresno coaching. He said, I think you could play at Fresno State. And at this point, I had played two years at Los Sedanos and really was just in the gym. So I'd gotten a little bigger. I was probably 230 pounds. So he gives my film to Fresno and Pat Hills there. They just beat Wisconsin in Wisconsin. Dave Carr just got drafted. I mean, they were like the thing in California at the time. And and I send my stuff to Pat Hill through my high school coach. He's like, hey, you know, we don't really got room for him. So I'm like, I'm gonna come down there. I want you to see me. I show up uninvited. And Pat Hill's like, Who are you? I'm like, Dave Hollis. And he's like, the guy that we told couldn't come here. And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> look a little different now than I looked in the film. It was like, you damn sure do. So he gets me on the scale, um, gets my weight. A, a buddy of mine, Sam Williams, who uh, <laughs> we played high school volleyball against each other, men's volleyball. He, he was at Fresno at the time. And Sam played, I think, seven or eight years in the NFL for the Raiders. Um, he was down there. And so they get me all weighed in and, and – uh, you got a spot, man. You're walking on, gave me the school tour. I mean, I don't even, what is it, like an NCAA violation or something? Who knows? I have no idea. What gave you the confidence to just be like, because, you know, the recruiting is, is a battle and, you know, it's high school kids are dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, emotions and confidence. And, you know, when a coach, th- like most recruits do, besides the five and four star guys, you get those emails saying, hey, we're not going to be able to offer you a scholarship, you know, whether you went to their camps or anything. I mean, what gave you the confidence to be like, yeah, sorry about that. I'm still going to show up and, and you know, come out and play for you. But when I played in high school and even junior college, like I got – so I was in the same high school conference as De La Salle High School. You guys have heard of them. They made the movie When the Game Stands Tall. They were in the midst of that 151 straight games they had won. Wow. So DJ Williams was there. Matt Gutierrez was there. Tosh Lupoy, who's now the D-line coach at, at, at the Falcons. Derek Landry was there. Kevin Simon was there, went to Tennessee. These are guys are all there at the same time that I'm playing. And I got first-team all-conference my junior and senior year at 160 pounds, my junior 170. I knew I was really good at football, and I loved it, and I, I understood the game really well. And, and so – I always looked at it as if I could get bigger and stronger and faster, I can do this. And it ends up kind of being a running joke now amongst me and my friends, and Tasha's one of them, that I made it. But I always knew I could do it, which it sounds crazy. I'm out of football. I played two years in junior college. I'm At this point, I'm working at Home Depot, I think, right? Wow. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Fresno State in, in probably the middle of the best football Fresno State has ever played. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go try to go there. I, I, I just, 
I just wanted to play football, man. And I so, knew I could. So was it that drive and was it that knowledge of knowing that, you know, if I could just get my foot in the right door, you know, if I can get in the right size and the right physical shape, was it that inspiration? Because basically you went to college in 1999 and then you're not stepping foot really in terms of on the field for a professional team. You were with the Packers in 2006 on the practice squad, but yeah. until 2007. So was it that inspiration and that motivation to that knowing that you can do it that kept you in the game? Yeah. And I loved football. I mean, I, I, it was just in my heart. And and again, just to visit the story really quick, but I was Tosh Lupoy, who again is at Atlanta now, is the D-line coach, and he was in Cleveland last year, and he was the defensive coordinator the year prior to that at Alabama, was at Cal Berkeley at the time. And I'll get to this, but when the Fresno State thing fell apart, me and Tosh were sitting on his couch at his house in Walnut Creek, and he was playing at Cal, and Cal was – I think Cal was pretty good at the time. I think that's when Aaron Rodgers showed up and we're watching. This is a Sunday and we're watching the NFL. And I was like, man, I can do that. Dead serious to him. And he looked at me. He's like, you, you think this is a sign up sheet? Dave, you think you just show up and you can play in the NFL? And I said, no. And he actually got really mad at me. And I said, but I, I thought I could. I, and I don't, that's such a hard question to ask that you asked earlier is how did, where did that confidence come from? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I knew I was good at football. I just hadn't like matured yet or something like there. I just knew I hadn't played my best football. It's hard to say what really kept me going because typically when you hear a story like this, like, you know, we met, I had a kid when you were young, you wanted your kid to be better off than you or or maybe I want to take care of my mom. Obviously, that was always a little part of it to kind of make my mom's situation better. But I just wanted to play football, man. I knew I could. So we're going to bring you back to your time with the Giants, both on the field and off the field. What was it like having O.C., Strahan, Tuck, J.P.P., and even Matthias Kiwanuka as teammates throughout your Giants career? What was it like? It was unbelievable. I, I mean with all the struggle of getting there to, to end up in a room like that was really surreal. Um, and how I got there, do we have time to talk about that real quick? Dave, you could go, you could, we could turn this into an hour podcast if you want. <laughs> it's, all, it's up to you. Okay. <laughs> so I mentioned Ed Hall earlier. He was my linebacker coach. Cause I played, I had never played defensive line until I got to Northwest Missouri state, which was two years after I, tried to go to Fresno, right? So Ed Hall was my linebacker coach. He's still around. He's an old San Francisco City cop. Hell of a football coach. Uh, he's from the East Coast, so he's got a kind of a funky accent. David? Listen, David. He always called me David. No one calls <laughs> me David except my mom, my wife, and Coach Hall. I think and, me too, twice yeah. in this interview. <laughs> Anyways, Ed Hall coached with Mike Waffle. You guys remember Coach Waffle, right? Yeah. He was the D-line coach at the time, and I believe in 2005 or six he got the job in New York. Anyways, this is where stuff gets weird. Woff was at Cal with Coach Hall. Coach Hall was recruiting Sione Finau, a kid that played high school with me and who was my best friend to come to Cal. And they watched his film his junior year, and I was on the film. He's like, who's this number 42 kid? And him and Waff are talking about me, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward. I go to LMC. Coach Hall becomes a linebacker coach. 
play for him for two years. Coach Hall's like, you're a young Howie Long, David. When you fill out, you're going to play defensive lineman. I'm like, what do you – I mean, this dude's – there's a legit joke going around that Coach Hall might be 150 years old. Um, he said when he, he said when he played football, they had Roman numerals for numbers. Okay. And, and so, so waffle leaves Cal goes to Oakland, ends up in New York. Mike waffle lived like four miles from me in Concord when he coached at Cal Berkeley and waffle knew who I was since high school. So here I am pop up here, green Bay, NFL, Europe, Oakland, Oakland practice squad. Adrian Adrian Awasom gets hurt against Green Bay. He actually this this is how stupid my story is, guys. He got hurt hitting hitting Tony. It was an old lineman number sixty four. What was his? I kept for the Green Bay. I played against him in my pro day and whooped his ass and got drafted by Green Bay. That's another story. <laughs> so Adrian Awasom and him get hurt week four. No week three. Week four, the Giants get 200 sacks against the Eagles. Mike Waffle remembers who I am. Obviously, I was playing some good football. He just didn't pick me up because I was a kid from down the street. But he picks me up and brings me to the Giants. And and all of a sudden, I'm going from Lane Kiffin as my head coach in Oakland. That is just a complete disaster to a team that, that that's 2-2 two and two at the time, right? I don't think any of us knew it was a, a potential Super Bowl champion or let alone t- became one. Um, to a room with Michael Strahan, O.C.U. Mira, Justin Tuck, Matthias Kiwanuka, Fred Robbins, Barry Cofield. I mean, you're talking about premier established defensive line room, right? And here I show up. And I'm like, what? This is not Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to get back to the Lane Kiffin part. But was there ever a point once you kind of established yourself, you know, after the 2007 year, where it's like, man, I wish I didn't have all these like all pros in front of me on the depth chart? Because I mean, it was probably the most stacked D lines in like in NFL history. Yeah, I think I'm going to be the only defensive end for those five years that's not going to be in the Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to figure something out. So where you straight get I, I tell all of them, straight in OC and Tucker already. It's going to be interesting with JPP, which you could probably make an argument. That kid played some really good football for us in New York. I always tell him I'm going to write my name in Sharpie underneath theirs on the stadium. We, what we can do is so you don't get in those like bad graces for doing that. We'll we'll set that up and do it for you. <laughs> Here's the deal. We'll uh, we're going to have a talking Giants rig of honor. We're just going to decide this right now. Talking Giants rig of honor. Dave Tolfson's going to be the first uh, first inductee of the go. talking we're Giants first, rig of honor. Guys. This is the first time I've ever been inducted to anything. I didn't graduate from high school, so I'm not in my high school Hall of Fame. I didn't graduate from college, so I'm not in my college Hall of Fame. And I sure as hell ain't in the ring of honor for the New York Giants. So this, I, this is my first one. I appreciate it, guys. You inspired an idea. We're going to go and get like the grittiest guys from those two Super Bowls and just make like a separate area for them. Um, for sure. That'd be awesome, man. You guys all heard the story. It started in 2007 when we did the High Motor Wall of Fame. No, I don't. I don't oh. remember. I mean, I remember NAS- the NASCAR package and the creating of that. Oh, and so we had that whole NASCAR package thing. So me and Zach Diasi started the High Motor White Guy Wall of Fame in the locker room. 
<laughs> we call those Gruden grinders. So we had pictures of like Tom Coughlin in college. We had the the equipment guys, the Skiba brothers up there, like in their youth football equipment. We had uh, Fegels. We took we took half a picture of Brian Keel and half a picture of Dominic Hickson, and we inducted their white side because they were <laughs> it's hilarious, man. You know, and this, it's a point we'll get back to. But though that 2007 to like 2009, 10 team, that that seemed like a real family. Like the way you guys talk about things, and we'll get into it when we talk about Eli and stuff like that. Now, I, I before we get too far away, you mentioned Lane Kiffin. Yeah. I've heard some wild stories and in interviews about that time there. I mean, what was like the the biggest like what what in the world is going on here? I don't know if you're there for the, like the 72 yard field goal or if you got some kind of story from practice or what. It, it for me it was a really weird time because because I just got back from Europe and I remember meeting him and he's like, oh, I'm just about to watch your film and I'm like, like, did you even know I was on the team for the last four months, like over there or what? Like, and and. Justin, right, you had alluded to earlier, I was, this was my second, starting my second year in the league, and I was, I mean, I was 26 years old, or 25, so, like, I wasn't some young rookie, so I was like, well, this is kind of weird that this guy's the head coach, and he didn't even know I was on the team, and he's, like, pretending to watch my film or something. Um, it was really Twilight Zoney, which, which, to me, like, he had like um, he had no control at the time of really kind of anything, and our defensive coordinator was Rob Ryan, and Rob was a psycho. <laughs> yeah, the, I think all the Ryans are. Oh, which was awesome though. I loved it. Like he probably was a huge. Every time I saw him when we played the Cowboys or in New York, I always tell him thank you and everything. Because honestly, when I left, he was trying to keep me with the Raiders and activate me. Um, Rob was awesome, but. It, it seemed really out of control. So, like, I remember coming to New York with Tom Coughlin, which, honestly, for me personally, my college coach, Mel Churchill, who's in the College Football Hall of Fame, um, wasn't, like, as general-esque as Tom, but definitely was like, I'm in charge, this is what you do. So I was a lot more comfortable with, with Tom's style than I really was with Lane's. Because I was like, just tell me what to do, please, and I'll do it. I do have a funny story, though, about my time in Oakland. Go for it. We got time. So, you guys remember DJ Williams, right? Played at Miami? Yeah, the, the linebacker, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, DJ was that size in high school. I remember, like, playing against him. Like, what is, who is, like, this is, like, someone's dad? <laughs> yeah. So... Ever since we were young, like, it was obvious DJ, barring anything happening. Like, if DJ probably didn't start a game in college, he probably would have been a first-round pick anyways. So he goes to Denver. So he, when he was at Miami with the Hurricanes, he would come back during breaks, and we would hang out. And I was a carpenter, right? Like, I, I was just wearing, like, car pants, boots, like, cut-off shirts, whatever. So I travel with the Raiders to Denver like week three or four that year because Lane's like, We're, we might activate you for the game. I want you to come. Him and Han, he had no idea what he was doing. I was like, whatever, I got to go to Denver. Went there, <laughs> got like some really good beer and had a good dinner Saturday night because I knew I was going to play. So I go to the game with the team and I'm out on the field and DJ sees me. 
And I'm like, what's up, DJ? And he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I made it to the NFL, dude. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) That's That's pretty funny. He's like, he was so confused because I was like a carpenter. But last time he saw me, you know, like. Uh, man, that's great! <laughs> like he didn't know what to say. It was a le- <laughs> me and my buddies love that story. Thought he that that was probably like near the height of like punks too. So I, mean, I don't know if he thought maybe exactly. he was part of that. Exactly. <laughs> so. Oh man! So you've mentioned a lot of different places that you've played around. Uh, you even you know even playing overseas in NFL Europe. So I want to ask you next: out of all the different places and levels you have played football, including Europe, uh, where was the most fun that you've that you've played? Uh, where did you have the most fun playing? Where did you enjoy playing the most? Gosh, that is, I, I think a lot of guys would have a relatively easy answer to that. Um, again, you, you guys, this, like my football life is beyond me being a carpenter and then playing in the NFL for eight seasons, but like my football life is just as ridiculous as my regular life getting to play football. So, High school was unbelievable. We were the worst high school in our area for 20 years. In my senior year, we went undefeated. And we lost in the playoffs, but we won the league championship. That team was – I'm still really good friends with a lot of guys. Junior college was tough, but it was tough for me personally, et cetera, et cetera. Well, then I go to Northwest Missouri State, and my senior year, we play for a national championship. Now, we lose, but I'm extremely close with a lot of those guys, too. And then I go to the NFL, and I win two Super Bowls. So, obviously, Justin, Strahan, O.C., Fred, Barry Cofield, um, Jay Alford, we're, we're all very, very close. And, and I would say those five years I was in New York, it, it's tough to rival those. We had a really really good time and you gotta understand if you ever get a chance to talk to me those guys you can ask them man i was playing with house money so no one had more fun than i did right <laughs> you were in europe now where in europe were you and you like i had a friend who was playing and in, in, you know i played college ball with who's playing in um austria i mean what is it like going from america to playing in the nfl europe um that was kind of the so nfl europe was crazy at like so training camp was in Tampa. All the teams were there. You got paid $100 cash a week for camp. And it was two straight weeks of two-a-days. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was wild. And then you're on a plane and you're flying. So I, I started with Frankfurt. So I how I even got – this is where it's really hard. So – Green Bay doesn't re-sign me after my rookie year because of my back. So I had lost like 20, 30 pounds. So I was down to like 230 after I got to Green Bay because I hadn't lifted for – I got hurt like week eight squatting, hurt my back. So I was super, super light. Well, my agent, instead of leaving Green Bay and going home, I just go straight to Chicago. My agent's like, you got to start training. I'm like, well, my back's messed up. I'll get to the NFL Europe part here in a second, Justin. But I start training. He's like, we got to get someone to sign you, but we can't let them see you because you look like crap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how are we going to do that? Well, Al Davis, God rest rest his soul, whatever you want to say about Mr. Davis, he's a football savant. 
I mean, I talked to him when I was with the Raiders with Blaine Kiffin. He like knew my high school stats. It was unbelievable. He signs me sight unseen and is like, you're going to Europe. I'm like, yes, sir. So I lift for like a month, put on like 10 or 15 pounds and like my back, I'm, I was on IR like a month prior. <laughs> so like, I'm like, all right, here we go. It's like it's either going to work or it's not. So when I got there, nothing, it didn't like guys were bitching and moaning all the time. I'm like, my big thing while I was over there was like, guys, you know, they don't send good players here. This is minor league. <laughs> Tom Brady's not showing up to NFL Europe. Like we all have to get better while we're here. Um, so I took it really serious. Well, right before we fly over there and Frankfurt's like, one of the most American cities because it has an American base there. They transferred me to Berlin. So what was that? They would have all these scrimmages in Tampa against the teams and then move guys to make them more even. So I went from Frankfurt and Berlin and I didn't even know anybody. So I went there and it was really kind of awkward for a while because I was like taking guys spots, but I'll tell you right now, my experience there was unbelievable. And, and it's one of my biggest regrets that I didn't bring my wife with me. I, I really should have. Um, it, it was an incredible. I mean, I you want to talk about beyond football, but like getting a chance to visit like a concentration camp in real life. You want to talk about a life changing experience? It's really unbelievable. But the football changed me forever. So I went from a D two school, led the Hula Bowl All Star game in tackles, had did great, got drafted third from last pick, and I was in a bass fishing tournament too when I got drafted. That's another good story, but. <laughs> Get drafted, go to Green Bay, make practice squad. So just like you'd alluded to earlier, I really didn't have a lot of experience playing high-level football. So to go over there, and I think I had like six or seven sacks. I was maybe second in the league in sacks, and I played a ton. Gave me a ton of confidence, a ton of – I mean, just like – I, I was playing against guys that were higher draft picks that were – I mean, I was like, man, I can really – I can do this. I can – I can not only make it, but like I feel like I could play. Well, obviously going to New York right away, right after that, I wasn't going to play right away, which I ended up kind of playing later in the, in the playoff run, uh, which was great. I got some amazing – man, I had to beg Strahan for reps at practice, man. That dude take like every rep. Really? Because, you know, going into that 2007 season, Strahan, he almost called it quits, you know. Yeah. He like missed all the camp. So that's that's surprising to hear. Yeah, so when he did retire, though, after the Super Bowl, he called me all the time. Like, Dave, I'm coming back. They're going to cut you. <laughs> like, shut up. Like, stop calling me. Because <laughs> OC got hurt. Remember, guys, he, he tore his knee up that preseason. Mm. Though. And we signed Jerome McDougal. I, I, I've been, you know, diehard Giants for a while. I can't even remember McDougal. Um, I can't either. He's a <laughs> so, Philly guy. He was from uh, – uh, Miami, remember him from Miami, Jerome McDougal. I don't know, but I'm I'm about to do the biggest deep dive on Jerome McDougal. Yeah, once this interview he got is over. shot and stuff. Jerome was a really good, really good guy. They oh. signed so in 08, and we can dive into the Super Bowl stuff. But Osi gets hurt, so I'm on deck. I'm like, all right, this is me. I'm ready to roll, right? Well, they signed him to like a one year, two million dollar deal because the Eagles cut him, so I didn't get a play right away then either. Which is another hilarious freaking story how I got the game that year, too. Go, go for it. We got time. So we're about to play Cincinnati, which is funny. Um, I sacked 
Carson Palmer, the first NFL game I ever played. Um, and then I played with him at the end of my career. I always told him I wanted to get that picture of me sacking him and we could both sign it. He loved it. Anyways, um, I would do, I had like my thing I would do every game because one of the biggest issues when I got to New York was I had to get better at special teams. So that's what I tell young guys all the time, like fringe guys like me, like literally practice special teams prior to your NFL stuff because I went from the best player, well, one of, uh, I'd always argue I was never the best player on any team I ever played on, but I digress. So I went from never playing any special teams to like the fourth 50 into the NFL on all the teams where I had to play special teams that I wanted to get in the game. So that was always WAF's big thing is like, if you get on special teams and you're active for a game, you're going to play defensive line. I mean, we, we have to rotate guys, you know? So fast forward, 08, Cincinnati, and Jerome was like battling all this inflammation stuff from when he got shot. That got shot in his car, waiting in a parking lot. It was a crazy story. Um, so I'm about to start working out game day. I did like a, a, a game day workout, like as if I played. I went and lifted weights and ran. So when I eventually did play, it wouldn't be like a shock, you know. So I'm about to start my lift. And Mike Waffle, our D-line coach, comes in. He's like, Dave, we got a problem. I'm like, what's up? He's like, you have to play. I'm like, what the, what is, what do you mean? That's a problem. <laughs> I'm like, that's fantastic. He's like, let's go watch some film. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. So we go in there and we're watching for a minute. I'm like, Waff, we call, we all call him Waff. I'm like, you know, I was in meetings all week. <laughs> like, I, 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 I heard everything you said. I watched all the same film. Like, I practiced, like, I'm fine. He's like, well, you better not mess this up, which is great like, coaching. Yeah, great coaching. I mean, that was kind of the old school way to do it, you know. Yeah. Anyways, I went in there, got my got my first NFL sack, my first game, and I ended up getting like, I think three and a half sacks that year, um, and and had a pretty good year that season. That OC was hurt and kind of helping out and stuff like that. So that was kind of the the springboard to probably really me being more of a contributor the next three years, you know. Right. Now, you did. You mentioned special teams. The Giants obviously hired Joe Judge, who was a special teams coordinator. I mean, what do you think about that hire from, like, the special teams point of view? I'm really excited about it. Um, obviously, Chase Blackburn's a, a really good friend of mine. Me and him both kind of did similar things on special teams for the Giants for years. And he's in Carolina as a special teams coach there. And we always talk about, like, why special teams coaches don't get more chances to be head coaches. And I'm not talking about recently, but when we played, because they're one of the few coaches on the staff that actually have to deal with every position group, both offense and defense. They know what the bottom of a roster looks like. And I'll be honest with you. Um, that's something probably as fans, I think a lot of NFL front office guys, people pay attention to, but as fans, we kind of pay attention to the stars of the game and stuff like that. But I go and argue and say, the reason we, we, did so well a couple of those years is the bottom of our roster in New York was just packed with, with really borderline starting guys. Like I'll throw myself in that group. And, and obviously Chase started some games and uh, you look at Dominic Hickson, Kevin Booth, he was in and out uh, uh, really just guys that would probably start on other teams, but had a really good role with the Giants. So it's going to be interesting with, with Gettleman there because Gettleman was a really good pro personnel guy. Or 
he was yeah he was pro mark ross who i don't like was college that's a whole nother podcast so <laughs> it'll be interesting how they build that roster because i think joe judge really it sounds like he really knows what he wants it's going to be interesting to see how they get along and, and it'll be it'll be fun to watch how he manages a team from the top down now that he's the head guy so um i'm excited i think outside of of football guys, it's not a super exciting hire, but I, I'm excited. I mean, John Harbaugh has done a hell of a job. I mean, the Ravens have consistently been competitive, and really, that's what you want. I mean, guys, we we look back to my five years in New York. Obviously, we won the two Super Bowls, right? But our worst season was eight and eight. Right. I mean, we were always that one. We went ten and six one year. We went. I think we went eight and eight twice. So we went. 10 and 6, 07, 12 and 4, 08, 8 and 8, 09. I think 2010, we went 10 and 6. And then 2011, we went 9 and 7. Am I right? Yeah. So it's funny, me and Tuck were actually just talking about this the other day. Was we only really look at those two years because the goal was always to win a world championship. Um, if you don't, it wasn't a good season. But those five years, guys, that's some of the – you look at the five years when Bill Parcells won his two, that's, you know, five years of some of the best football played for the New York Giants. You know what I mean? You know, 2008 – and this like we had Brandon Jacobs on and talked about uh, this as well. 2008, you guys are rolling. I mean, you know, run Ooh. game is unstoppable. Plax is taking the top off, guys. I mean, you guys were – you know, it was the – you guys are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And – the plaque shooting incident happens. I mean, at that point, obviously, you know, you don't give up on a season. But at that point, did you guys kind of like have like a, a moment like this really changes things for us? Yeah, I, I think um, when you get into professional sports, it's so different than than, than younger. You know, you, you're, you're a little more of a realist of, of like, we got to fight through this. Like, Plexco wasn't the team. I mean, you're kind of like, man. We would be better if he hadn't shot himself. <laughs> like, that's not good. Um, but we were good. Like, so I haven't, I never revisited that playoff game against Philly. I always looked at football really weird as far as like, if you, if I would lose a game, it, it didn't really matter if I lost by 21 or seven. It was like we lost. So I, th I was just watching something. Maybe that game come up. Like, that game wasn't, like, I think we lost by 10. No, it was uh, over the first half. That game was very, very close. Maybe even to the third quarter, but it was that second half that Eagles really pulled away, and, and you guys so just couldn't you know what keep they, with them. the Eagles did was they got us in the nickel, and then they'd run the ball. Mm. And, and that was really kind of the genesis down the road of in 2011, we invented big nickel. So okay. it wasn't our NASCAR package, but it was our wasn't our nickel package either. So you you had regular nickel with maybe two interior guys that were D tackles that could pass rush and two D ends. You had big nickel, which was your bigger up front across the board, and then you had your NASCAR package, which was all four of us defensive ends. So. It was a lot more complicated, that, but that was kind of like – I remember I they ran the freaking ball down my throat one drive, and I came out the field. I was playing D-tackle at the time, 
And I told Barry Cofield, I'm like, you're on nickel now. <laughs> wow. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I was born at night, but not last night. I'm going to sit out here and get my ass whooped for another 30 minutes, you know? It was with Gabe Jackson. They had it center. It was a big old dude and um, the other guy, too. I forgot. But needless to say, that, that 2018 was by far the best football team I played on while I was in New York. I mean, it wasn't really even close. We went into, we went into Pittsburgh and beat them. Um, went to Arizona and beat them. We went to Arizona and beat them. And I played 55 snaps of nose guard at 243 pounds. And, and D- Dave, at, at nose guard in Super Bowl 46, you know, you beat your guy. You kind of <laughs> get your arm around Brady. He's falling. And then Tuck lands on top of him. And you don't get a credit for a Super Bowl sack. I mean, we're going to get you in our own ring of honor. Is there any way we can talk with Tuck and fix this? Well, I don't want to sound like Mark Gastineau. So Mark Gastineau <laughs> yeah. He's it's, been- that's funny, though. Like. That's the joke. I mean, and, and I, honestly, guys, like you had asked earlier, Justin, about if, or, or maybe it was you, Bobby, about me having all these guys in front of me. And I could, there was, but, but I, I wasn't, I just wanted to play. So, like, for me, it was never about, like, I deserve more or, or I, I knew I could start. I started one game against the Redskins. I had like eight tackles in a sack, and I played pretty good. We lost the game, but I thought I played pretty good. But it wasn't – I was never really concerned about that. Like, OC and Tuck specifically, because we played five years together, always treated me like an equal. It was never um, – and Matthias – so funny story about that 2011 game that I started – which is this I'm telling you guys, we're going to do like 10 podcasts. My no. brother was a U.S. Marine and he did his last tour when I was in, I just went to NFL Europe. He was coming back his second tour. And so it was crazy. I had his dog tags. I still have them. When I started that game, it was the 10 year anniversary of nine 11. And that's when my, that's why my brother had got in. So it was like some really crazy kind of emotional stuff for me that I was going to, that was the only game I was probably going to ever start. So I wasn't going to start. They asked Matthias to start a defensive end that game. And I didn't know, I, I had never heard this before until I read an article about it a couple of years ago. Didn't know it. Tuck's hurt. OC's hurt. We move up Justin Trotto from practice squad. And who was our, it would have been JPP was the other starting defensive end, right? They asked Matthias, he'd play linebacker all camp to move to defensive end and start that game. He's like, nope. He's like, I'm not going to take Dave's spot. Dave deserves to start. That's it. Or I'm not playing. And, like, for me personally, that's always what concerned me is they knew I was reliable, that I, they could trust me. Um, so, you know, the junk punch – sack in the Super Bowl because there's like a picture on the internet it looks like I'm grabbing his unit you know <laughs> we're gonna we'll find it if there <laughs> but is how one. do you like I mean what am I who am I like I'm the guy that bitches about that like I just won my second Super Bowl ring from the sound of it and you know from us as, as fans of the team from the outside looking at it, I mean it really does seem like you guys were a family and maybe other teams like like have this and we don't see it because we don't, you know, we're not up and close, but I mean, it's something special. I mean, like 
just like that that offensive line, you know, from David Deal to Kareem McKenzie on the other side, those guys, you still see them hanging out today. You know, we got to talk with Soybert, and that, he's like, we genuinely liked each other and loved each other. And you have, you know, all different types of personalities from those guys to guys like Brandon Jacobs and Plax. And then Eli at the head of it. I mean, kind of like a wild time and like a good memory for you guys. And, and it seems like every time anything happened with Eli, you guys were there to defend him. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when he was benched. Let's kind of like go down that road to some like of your reactions of that family and how we saw it out come out. Tom uh, Coughlin gets fired or, you know, resigned, but we know it's fired. And, you know, I don't remember what your reaction was, but, I mean, what were your thoughts on that? For a guy that had won them two Super Bowls and probably didn't have the best teams out there in the last few years. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I love Tom dearly. Um, he's one of the greatest coaches I ever played for. And one thing I always respected about him was he's always really honest with what his expectations for were of me personally. Which is something you just don't get in the NFL. Everybody beats around the bush. And I remember the last time I got cut, Dennis Allen called me from the Raiders right when I got cut from the Raiders and I retired midway through the next year. But he's like, hey, Dave, we really appreciate everything. I said, Dennis, come on. Like, you don't need a sugarcoat cutting me. This is like the sixth time I've been cut. I appreciate it, you know? Whereas Tom was more honest, which I enjoyed. Um, as far as the Tom firing resigning whatever did not bother me near as much as how they treated Eli and I think a lot of guys would say that because Tom would 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 push back from the he would push back on his players he would push back on the media I mean he was a very strong opinioned man you know and Eli's the opposite and that I, I don't want to say that specifically because Eli's probably one of the toughest people I've ever met in my okay, life. Yeah, absolutely. He just doesn't get involved. And so that's why you got what you got from us when they benched him. Because, because you knew for a fact that you weren't going to hear from anybody else. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and it was our job as we took it when we played for him that – you weren't going to treat him that way. And if you were, you were going to hear it from us, not just Rich and Dave and Chris and Kareem. And, 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 but you were going to hear from the defensive guys too. Um, and I'll never forget. Um, I just remember this story recently. I remember Eli got hit really hard against the Ravens in 2008. And, I didn't do anything back to anybody like on the Ravens and it bothered me. And I apologized to him after the game. I said, if anybody treats you like that again, if I have a chance, I'm going to try to kill the other team's quarterback. He was like, I appreciate that, Dave. And so like, that was the relationship. Like it wasn't like, you know, offensive linemen will defend their quarterback. Like we were going to defend Eli. Like he was our guy because not that he wouldn't defend himself. Like that's where it gets really confusing with Eli because he's not a pussy. Right. Can I say that on this? Yeah, go for it. Um, he's really not. He's just not going to get involved. Like, which, not, we are cool with that because we'll handle it. Like, Eli, that's good. You stay back. We'll whoop the shit out of somebody. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that either. but Fly free, man. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, with that, like, it's kind of like that big brother. Like you said, he wasn't soft or anything. 
Mm. But it was like it was like he's not gonna talk like he's not gonna say anything through the media mm-hmm. or or come back. You know, he doesn't have any like kind of online presence. And we saw that at his it's been one it's one of the weirdest careers because you know he retires and it's an awesome moment. It's one of those times where all of Giants fans can come together and like enjoy something. And then from the national view, it's like we gotta get clicks. Let's you know, let's let's take shots at Eli at his retirement. And I mean, it's like we kind of led the defense brigade on that. When you look at Eli's career, like what is what are your total thoughts on him? Obviously, I, like I know you think he's a, a first bout Hall of Famer, but it's like I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm losing the point of this question. But when you think of Eli Manning and tell your kids about Eli Manning, what do you tell them? He started 210 straight football games in the National Football League. Guys, I was a backup. I started one game. I think the most I made was like. And now I'm just talking about appearing in my case, right? I probably appeared in 28 straight games, maybe. You realize yeah. how tough, physically tough you have to be at a position where they're literally trying to destroy your life every mm-hmm. chance you get. That You have that part of it. But then you have the mental aspect of it where, like, we play defensive line, and I don't want to sell ourselves short, but, like, we goof around a lot. You know what I mean? Like, you know, especially with pass rush stuff. It was a lot more – I'm kind of making light of it. But it was pretty complicated what we were doing up front. But we knew what we were doing. And we were really playing reactionary football. So – but Eli was the first guy and the last guy out on the mental study part of it. Then you have the media side of it. Like, that whole year in 2011, remember when he said he was elite? Like, it was a joke. Yeah, on the K show. On the K show, yeah. Yeah, they made fun of him. You know, like, Eli showed up to work every time he was asked to show up. I mean, how many grown men in any profession can you say that about? And I don't think he gets enough credit for it. Like, you know, people do talk about that. But they just think, like, oh, he got lucky. He never got injured. I mean, that 2007 year, he was supposed to be out for, you know, a month to two months after week. You know, he suffered an injury against Dallas. And you know what? If he misses that time, like most QB wins, would. Like, you guys don't win that Super Bowl. So I also don't think he gets enough credit for that. Guys, he didn't miss a practice. He didn't miss a meeting. He didn't miss an off-season workout. I'm not talking, I mean, that's the incredible thing about it. And with all due respect to what you guys do for a living, have you guys missed a day of work? Well, I'm actually pretty good on my streak. But, yes, I, I have missed a day of work. In what do you have 18 years or 16 16 how many you got going bobby uh well i took some time off in december so i'm I'm only at i'm only at two months dave justin (laughs) dave i literally missed like my first two classes last friday because i overslept all right Uh, and and again (laughs) i'm like dude i missed practice in the nfl because i was sick one day you know like that's Hall of Fame worthy within itself. Like as difficult as that is, you know. I mean, you that- know, and and the and in the Hall of Fame debate, you know, this has been something that uh, a lot of people have. They've tried to downplay that. They've tried to downplay the value of being there, especially when you consider this is the most important position in all of sports. You know, this isn't just the most important position of football. It's the most important position in all sports. People have tried to downplay that fact of the value of 
being there for your football team in that kind of role. Um, so I want to thank you for really br- bringing that up and bringing that to light, um, especially uh, thanks to uh, thanks to uh, Pro Football Focus who uh, who really downplays that. So had to throw that in there. Had Pro to throw Football that in there. Focus is are a bunch of idiots. Yes, Dave. I I'm I lead the war against that. Justin likes him a little bit, but I lead the war. How do you against base a grade? In a, uh, on a player in a game when you don't know the call. Uh, Dave, Dave. You know how many times you, you I had to about run making in, this podcast long? You're going to get me fired up, and we're going to go. You know how many times, Bobby, the design of the pass rush was for me to get double teamed or literally to be stagnant at the line of scrimmage and cover guys up when they made moves? Right. Like, and that was my job. Yeah, I, I agree with you. To get you, but blocked, not necessarily blocked, but to be in an area. Yeah, and and like you said, like this, you never, you don't know what a guy's role is. You don't know when you know a route, a route is ran wrong. Anyways, but but Justin, yeah. you have a, a question about the what celebration the podcast about that. Yeah, Dave, uh, Dave, you can't see it, but uh, uh, Bobby Skinner right now is fist pumping. And he's absolutely <laughs> loving that you just brought that up. So uh, I wanna I wanna move to uh, I wanna move to talking about your sack celebrations. Uh, oh, yeah. I've been a re- I've been a regular season ticket holder for the Giants. I believe I was in section three thirty in the old stadium. Then we moved to the new stadium. I'm in section three fifteen, and I'm pretty sure for the span of your entire career, I didn't miss a single home game of yours. But I do remember in particular Christmas Eve, third and ten. You line up as a defensive tackle NASCAR formation with Tuck and JPP. You sacked Mark Sanchez. So when you got up, what did you do? <laughs> so that was the that was the roadhouse. So that wasn't the first one, though. Right, the, right. The, the first, the genesis of this, okay, as you guys have been talking to me for like 45 minutes now, maybe almost an hour. Like, guys, I was in the NFL. Like, it, it's like a joke within a joke. It's like my life is like curb your enthusiasm, but real. You know, like, so we're flying to the Metrodome, and the Metrodome collapses. So we land in Kansas City. So we're, we're kind of like, no one really, well, no, first we land in Kansas City because the storm gets too bad. Well, then the Metrodome collapses, so we're like, what are we going to do? Well, we'll stay the night here, and the NFL's going to figure it out. Well, my wife's from the Kansas City area. She was born and raised there um, for a short time. So I ordered the tacos. From this place called In a Tub Tacos, right off 29. Unbelievable. They use macaroni powder cheese on their tacos, dude. Deep fried. Unbelievable. So I ordered like 250 tacos for the guys. We're staying like a holiday inn. This is Saturday. They come. We're watching Family Guy. And it's that episode where Peter Griffin's running around kicking everything and everybody. And every time he does, he goes, Roadhouse. <laughs> So Barry Cofield's like, I bet you won't do that as a sack celebration. And I said, I bet your ass I will. So we fly to Detroit to play Minnesota in Detroit, which is another story within itself. It was like it was like World War Z when they opened the doors. Anyways, we and I get a sack and I do it. And everybody loved it, man. Everybody loved it. So that was like. In 2011, I ended up having five sacks. So it was like on like Donkey Kong, man. Roadhouse. <laughs> you get to do as much Roadhouse as you want. All right, Dave, I'm going to finish it up. So you're on the sideline for two game-winning Super Bowl drives. Mm-hmm. Now, you can do each one. I mean, what is the feeling, the emotion? 
Is it confidence, worrisome? And then how do things change, especially in 42 when Tyree makes that catch? Uh, they're really both pretty different for me because I was just in a different point in my life for both of them. I remember the first one, like I was, it was like, I couldn't believe I was there. I literally was on the worst team in the NFL. And now I'm playing for a Super Bowl. So that it was just kind of like almost a haze. Like I, we were really confident. It, the crazy thing is, is you talk to anybody that was part of either one of those teams, like they will tell you, we knew we were going to win, which sounds absurd. You know, we knew we were going to win. So when we got the ball back, we're like, dude, we're going to win the game. Like Eli's going to score here. Are you kidding me? It's Eli Manning, dude. He's the man. Well, the ball gets thrown up at 42, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And then David Tyree, who obviously the, everyone knows, he couldn't get – we were telling the ball to beat him up at practice. Beat him up, ball. Beat him up. <laughs> Catches it. And then after that, it was like, oh, we, we – really, I would say when I knew – when I 95% knew we were going to win 42 is when Asante Samuel dropped that pick. There's things that happen when you're playing a team that they don't take advantage of that you're like, that's going to really hurt them because of that. And so that my wife was pregnant with our first kid, Tucker. Um, so it was, it was really surreal. The second one was awesome. I mean, the first one was awesome. The second one was unbelievable. I brought like 20 people. I my friends from back home. I bought everybody tickets. Bought everybody hotel rooms. I think like we got paid eighty five grand for winning. I don't think I saw a penny of it. I just <laughs> paid for everything for everybody. Like we're gonna party, man. We are gonna have a great. This is unbelievable. Um, and again, I was on the field when Wes Welker dropped that pass. Yeah, and I turned to uh, the left tackle at the time for the Patriots, number seventy two. I just talked about him the other day. What was his name? Matt Light, I think. Matt Light. I said, man, that just cost you guys the game. And I think he said, like, F you to me or something like that. <laughs> but I'm like, that, that, again, was the same instance. Like, we knew we were going to win that game, like, going into it. And then something like that happens where you weren't expecting them to not make a play or even make a mistake, like Tom throwing for the safety or whatever. You, then it only compounds the fact that, like, dude, they're not even playing that good. Like, we thought we were going to beat both Patriots teams if they played their best. And now they're not even playing their best. Like, this one's in the bag. Well, and Eli went off and dropped. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think it would be hyperbole to say one of the best throws in Super Bowl history. It's the best. The, the throw. Best. Not, not the, the Tyree catch is separate from the, that, that throw. I don't – I mean, who, who else would you – I mean, who would throw the ball better? You can't even throw it better. Right. Yeah. So yeah, man, that was cool, man. That that the second one was really neat too. Rocky Bernard had lost a Super Bowl previously with Seattle. Chris Canny jumped ship from the Cowboys and came over to us. It was me, Tuck, OC, and Matthias's second Super Bowl, even though Matthias didn't play in the first one. So it was just it was kind of a neat deal, you know? Right. Yeah, man. Those and you guys are gonna, you know, go down in history and and our legends in Giants history, and you just got elected to the Talking Giants Ring of Honor, so that's that's pretty special. But Dave, we appreciate you giving us our time. Your time, you gave us way more than we deserve. 
thanks again for coming on, my man. Hey, anytime, guys. Uh, like I said, that's the cliff notes. Are you allowed to drink beer on your podcast? We should do that sometime, too. Yeah, we well, we tried to get Kevin Zeitler to, you know, try to work around getting to do the chug-off uh, that the guys, you know, that uh, the guys were doing in the last offseason because no Giants offensive lineman did it. So we might have to do it with you, you know, maybe like a 16-ounce bush and see who could finish it faster, me or you. Got bush. We call them bluegills out here. Bush lights, man. Got some bluegills in the fridge out in the garage. Would you want to do a chug off right now before we finish? <laughs> uh, I totally would, but I gotta take my kids to wrestling. <laughs> All right, I know, I know. You I, had, I had to take a out. shot at the moment. I had to. My, take a shot. my my wife's actually just had to run and do some work stuff, and I we could just we could do like a short skype call and, and you can throw it on the internet or something i mean we'll do whatever hit me up sounds good dave man we really appreciate you uh thanks again for coming on man yeah no problem guys all right see you man later all right thanks again dave Tollison, for coming on go give him a follow go check him out man he's vocal and i love it really appreciate him get coming on and i think we're gonna have to do that beer chug video with him justin Oh, it, it was about to go down. I, I was like, okay, this is about to be an hour and a half, two hour long podcast if that was actually going to go down. He did unfortunately have to take his kids to wrestling or else I think that would have happened, but we certainly have to plan on that happening soon. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is I, I haven't chugged a beer in a long, long time. Like I, I, you know, maybe seven years ago, I could have gave him a run for his money, but I don't know if I can anymore. But I do know he likes Bush. I remember him tweeting about that once. And I do. I like Bush, too. I don't know why people hate on it. I don't drink more than, like, two beers at a time. But I'll, I'll get a Bush every once in a while. I do have one Bush in my fridge, though, from when I moved over three months ago. It moved with me. And it's just it's been sitting in my fridge ever since. Oh, well, that's great. Yum. I was getting Yum. ready to chug that stale beer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, I think that's all that we have for that this is. wonderful long episode. That is all that we have. So we appreciate you guys. Like we said in the beginning of the episode, we'll be back Friday reviewing the cornerback position. I don't think it'll be as controversial as our offensive line review. I just don't see it being that way unless we call for DeAndre Baker to move to linebacker. I just don't see that happening. Uh, So we appreciate you guys. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.